Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Here is Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. Welcome back, perfect peeps, to CodingCat.dev podcast. Today, we're going to talk all about prompt engineering with ChatGPT with the amazing Bagesh. Vagish? I always get it wrong. You tell me. It's it's Vagish. Vagish. See, I always mess it up. Even though we just talked about it pre-air. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Welcome, Vagish. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty well. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, so we were just commenting. I told him, whoa, we gotta we gotta wait until the podcast. We were we were talking about like nice background alex i'm like thank you and yours is great too because it's like cream colored with blank shelves it's this amazing new thing you're trying out i guess not really like tell tell the audience you're about to move right where are you headed to yeah so um right now i'm actually packing up my house technically it's not my house anymore because it's now owned by an llc because we're going to rent it out they're doing like an airbnb out of your house no no it's a long-term rental but we signed over the house to a, a LLC, mostly liability reasons. It reduces your liability. Um, and then, yeah, we're moving on Tuesday. To well, Where uh, are you moving to? That's the exciting part. So I'm heading off to Asia. And so, like, what can I don't even know if you want to get into this, but can you tell me, like, why are you moving to Asia? What's that all about? Well, um, so I think about, um, I've lived in Asia quite a few times, um, sure. but... Uh, so we're thinking of going to, um, so we're starting off at India and Sri Lanka. Then it's kind of like more Asia Pacific. Um, but so I run my own business. Uh, my team is based out of Bowling Green, Ohio and Toledo. Um, so ever since the pandemic, most people are doing more Zoom meetings. Yeah. I haven't even met my clients in person in a while. And they like just down the road. Um, so I'm just like, you know, I can be anywhere. So why not travel around? Um, yeah. I'm gonna be doing this for two years though. Why? Why the hard stop? Um, I have kids, and they're gonna get to a point where I can't homeschool them anymore, okay. and I need to put them back in school. And I think you know, two years is a good good amount of time. Now, there's the dreaded Ohio State down in Ohio, so I get the reason you want to leave Ohio totally. Uh, but um, I'm I'm kind of curious, like. When you say homeschooling and things like that, like, are you doing that on top of your job? Is your wife helping out? What does that look like? So I am going to be doing most of my work will happen probably early mornings and evenings so I can accommodate kind of uh, European and UK time zones. And then during the day, I'll probably, you know, I'm going to be mostly homeschooling. Funnily enough, I'm using uh, ChatGPT to help me build out the curriculum. Go figure. Right? I mean, it's it's going to like create everything for us in the future. It's kind of amazing. And and I don't mean just chat GPT. I mean, like AI is kind of the future and we'll, we'll get into all that fun stuff. I, I want to talk a little bit about the last time you and I hung out, which was three weeks ago ish. Some a month has it wow. been a month already. I don't know. So we, we got to do um, we're we're both uh, Google developer experts, both of us. No, I'm a Google Group organizer. So we're both we're both GDGs or Google Developer Group organizers. 
Um, and so Google ran this thing that was a mixture, and this is why I always get people mixed up. Um, they did Google developer groups, uh, sorry, they did Google uh, IO extended in Miami, which was a ton of fun. We, we brought down, did you ever get a, a straight number from anyone on how many people were there? I, I think that must've been like close to a thousand people. That's why I was, th I was thinking over that. I was thinking there might've been like 3000 people because oh, wow. it was a large space. Um, so we got to meet there and then we did what they call North America Connect, which is the GDG side of things uh, for the next two days. And that's Google's way of like training us how to be awesome at uh, doing uh, community organi organizing, um, like what, and they paired us up like with regionally, they paired us up. So we, we got to hang out Ohio and Michigan and uh, who else was in there? I think uh, Illinois was in there. It, it, was, it was like Midwest Mountain. Yeah. Mountain Midwest, which was weird to me. I, I've never seen that breakup. But they also did something really cool where it was um, city to city. So like take something like, I don't even remember the comparisons, but like New York to San Francisco hooked up. But then like, I don't know, Austin, Texas and Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's a terrible example because that wasn't one of them. But like similar size, similar kind of people got to break down too. And we got the opportunity to, to hang out again for that. So uh, yeah. what did you think? What did you think of the whole like experience for four-ish days that we were there? I, I think it was great. Um, the Google I.O. that was, was pretty good. Um, one of the big benefits I thought was you know, actually like getting to see some of the equipment and the cool things they've been working on, like the, the Palm API and uh, all those things. Um, it was exciting. Uh, also, mostly it was nice to actually network with people outside. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's nice to network with all the, the GD, the Google developer ecosystem folks. But this is an opportunity with the IO Connect to network with people that were just generally interested. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know, they're actually doing it in... I think they're doing the one in Amsterdam pretty soon. And then there's the one in Bengaluru. And then there's one, I think it might be Shanghai. Yeah, but I know they had like three or four like main featured ones around the globe. Miami, I think, being the first one. And then the rest were kind of coming after that. That's really exciting. Are you, are you going to be able to make any of the other ones? Or is it just only one region you get to go to? It's So the, the thing is, there's limited seating, right? Yeah. And so... Um, Europe and the US is less competitive to get into while like India it's like apparently they, they literally like had you know 10 20x people requesting tickets India blows my mind so like when I was working at AppRight and we'd talk about like the struggles of getting people back out after COVID doing meetups like all of that stuff and I talked to somebody in India they're like yeah we just we just happened to throw together this meetup and it had 600 people I'm like what like i it took me like three months to get a hundred people what are you talking about there's just such a difference on the scale and amount of technical people in india it blows my mind every time yeah i mean meetups also have bounced back a lot within europe yeah so i went to a meetup uh, accessibility meetup probably late last year and it was at the you know it was at the google media office and they probably had like 400 people. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the meetups there are bigger, but it's also normally it's like, you know, it's 
it, it's London or like you know Amsterdam or Berlin, and a lot of the a lot, a lot of people have been you know compared to the US where most people are remote, I guess. Yeah. Uh, over there, everyone's mostly back in the office or in some hybrid form. Yeah, it's really interesting in the U.S. I'm kind of curious where things will end up by like the end of year or the end of like the next two years. I just got back uh, from a lunch with a with an individual, the Payload founder. I'll just say it. Payload CMS is awesome. Check it out. Um, but we were talking about just how hard it's it's been coming back out of COVID and like the differences and how it kind of it kind of flattened the field for a lot of people. But that also got really weird for like, we used to meet in person and he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't get a lot of conferences. Like I could just read the docs and be done with it. And I said, I know, but it's the people. Right. And he's like, you really need to like pitch it that way. And we really need to change the narrative around like talking about conferences, not as like, go learn this thing in like six hours because you have to be there. And it, it's not that it's, getting to meet people, getting to learn what they do, comparing it, like telling your story. I think it's that personability side of things that completely got washed away in the last three years that I think we're finally getting back to. And I, I'm excited about that, at least. What, what's the, what's it? It's called the whole, whole room track, right? Ooh, what's this? That's the, that's the one where it's like, you know, in the halls, you, you know, that that's another track that, Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, we always call it like the water cooler, but I like that. Yeah, it's the hallway experience. Perfect. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to start to talk a little bit more about chat GPT, prompt engineering, uh, what you're doing with it. And uh, I don't know, break down the world of AI as we know. It. Sound good? Yes. All right, be right back. How in the world could I forget about this? There's no need to freak out. We have Storyblock. Robert, you're right. But we still need a plan. Okay, how much time do we have left until the launch? 24 hours. Okay, let's go. ready to publish. So let's get this baby online. Let's get this baby online. I like that. That's, that's the best part. Thank you once again, Storyblock, for sponsoring CodingCat.dev podcast. All right. So let's dive into it a little bit. And I think what would help people is kind of to understand a little bit more about like your experiences and, and kind of what you've been working on um, more recently and how it's how you kind of see the impacts of AI coming into that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, I've been using it mostly. Um, I've been mostly using uh, open AIs, uh, you know, GPT 3.5, GPT 4 uh, versus Google's one right now. I'm actually playing around with Google's version. Uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, the only thing is there's less documentation on the the, the, the Google one as of yet, yeah. but it's uh, it's pretty cool. But I, we can talk a bit about more, more about it in a bit. Um, so I've been using it. So maybe I'll talk about a project I did. So uh, there's a lot of uh, data analysis that I have to do, right? So I built this tool for a nonprofit a while back 
where they take all their data, you know, it displays the data and then like it builds charts, right? But you had to do so much manual work. And I was sitting there the other, you know, a couple months ago and like when ChatGPT came out, I was like, well, wouldn't it be really cool if I could ask ChatGPT? So I started using schemas and putting it in and being like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. So we built a tool where now, you know, someone can basically hook up um, uh, something called uh, Blazor, which is a Ruby and Rails product. Um, and you can hook it up to a database. And then we built this tool on top of it. So you can go, you can go to a tab and you can ask it a question. And you can be like, oh, how many sales did I have in the last seven days? And using the OpenAI API, it sends the schema, right? And then sends the question. And then can you, can you break down for me, like, what is a schema? Like, I've heard of a schema in database terms and things like that. What, is, what does it actually mean in ChatGPT? Well, no, no, it's, it's the database okay. schema we're sending, right? Um, because you don't want to send the data. You, do, like, you don't want to send all the data. Uh, it's also really, really expensive if you, in terms of tokens, if you send the data. And it's okay, also okay. But yes, yeah, so you, you send the schema. So it might be like, you know, users, you know, like if it's a blog, it's users, posts, things like that. Um, and you send the schema and you ask it the question and then using SQL, it returns an SQL statement that then you execute, right? Um, and it, it's pretty exciting. And then based off that, we like decide to do like graphs so we can build graphs out of it. You can just result, give a number, tables, things like that. So you have to still do a bit of stuff after it, but it's it's just an exciting thing. And then, so we rolled it out and we had um, we had the, the nonprofit they're having a look at it right now, but it's like, you know, now they are able to ask questions versus before they'd be like, okay, let's download this data. Okay, let's go and throw in Excel. Okay, I wanna get a chart like this. And they have to give it to their, their fundraising team, right? And so it's like, that's an example of, you know, thinking, using it to think for you, right? Yeah, so I'm kind of curious um, when we talk about that, like the SQL statement and stuff, are you doing all of that in the back end so that like, the person asks the question on the front end. It goes to like your server. You send that to ChatGPT. It comes back with SQL. You execute the SQL, and then do you actually present back out like the data from that that prompt? Is that part of that? Precisely. Wow, that's pretty wild. I never really would have thought of it that way. Um, some of the the interesting things that I've been seeing, and I think that are like the most powerful things, is taking a set of data and saying what is this and like not not saying hey show me how many i don't know if you talk about like like github let's say show me like what the top github users are show me the top github repos and stars like you don't tell it any of that you just say tell me something interesting and it comes back with all of those results that you already had and then on top of that things you probably would have never even thought of because it's just analyzing data have you experienced some of that with chat gpt as well yeah, it's now now it's got all those it's got all those plugins and plugins, things. Yes. Um I've I still don't really use so um I, I actually have it so it doesn't store my data, so I can't use the plugins. Gotcha. Um but I've used it. Can I ask you like let's break that down a minute. Like why why do you choose not to? So um initially when it was in uh, when they launched it, they weren't using your data for the model but now your data can be used for the model. So if you have the, the chat, um, you know, the history interface on the left on ChatGPT, yep. that's used for the model. OpenAI, the GPT-3 and 4 um, 
you know, if you use that through the OpenAI API, it normally doesn't store anything. It stores it for up to 30 days, but it doesn't use it for the model. You can actually, like, there's a toggle in there to enable it, but it's, uh, it's uh, by default, it's disabled. But in ChatGPT, it's enabled by default. So I don't want ChatGPT taking my data and using it. So let me let me bring this up real quick. So this is this is Chat GPT, like we're talking about. Um, the scary part to me is everything you're saying. Like it's it's storing all this stuff on the left, right? Yeah. Uh, past searches. So if I say, uh, tell me about, I guess let's see let's see if it does something here. Oh jeez, you haven't you haven't been popular enough long enough. I think it's you because you spelled my name. Did I? Oh my gosh, I did. It is me. Can't type. V A G I S H. There, let's try that. Let's see, I don't know. Uh, but anyways, terrible example. But... If you if you had it, uh, if you've got the plus version, um, I think it's it it actually uh, in Google it will go into Bing and search for those things too. Interesting. So on the the flip side of it, when I'm using like. Um, Google Bard, it's more real-time, kind of like that Bing version of it. Um, so when we start to get into, and, and this is this is the whole talk, right? When we start to get into prompt engineering, like how do you start to figure out even like what to ask it? Like mine, mine was a terrible question. Tell me about Baggage Valley. There's, there's probably a few more of you, not a lot more of you, but there's probably a few of you in the world. And like, how does it figure it out? In, in BARD, I actually drop in like your LinkedIn profile or like a website that talks about you. How are you learning to like create these creative prompts that actually bring back good responses? So there's one way you can, it, at least in ChatGPT, you can ask it for how to write great prompts. Wow, I have not tried this. Okay, I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back up. Let's, let's, uh, how do you reset new you want, you want to give it a bit more context though? Like, don't just ask how to write, you know, is, is there something that you want to write? Like, so, do, you want, um, do you want to write LinkedIn, a LinkedIn post or something? Yeah, sure. So let's do, uh, like what, write me a, uh, I'll ask it, um, yeah, uh, post, um, I, I'd probably ask it to, can we get meta? Can we say about prompt engineer? Yeah. Oh, that's I, don't, I don't know why, but I can't type today. I think my fingers are broken. What, what amazes me about this technology, at least the way they, they chose to like implement it, is the streaming factor that comes back out of this. This is this is good. It's like oh wow. thinking a little bit more here. Look at that. Bias mitigation. See, these are all the things we're going to talk about anyways. Yeah. You just wrote it. So I can ask you about like customization. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can't customize the, so that most people use either Bard or ChatGPT. Yeah. It's not really customizable too much. It's mostly you provide it with prompts. Um, but if you use the API keys, you know, you can customize those to a certain level. So you will actually find um, the results you get on this is different. Because you can't like fine tune it, or you can't, you can't do those those kind of things. Um, but the you know in that thread that you had, right? It does keep historical information. Um, but I, I mean, it, it's interesting. Like some of the things that um, I found have been useful. 
is uh, I use it to help me write emails now. Oh, really? Okay. When I have a really bad client. And then, you know, I just want to, you know, I just want to like, you write a really angry email and then you say, hey, wait a second, ChatGPT, can you like make this sound nice? And it will convert it and make it sound like, you know, so it's a good way to kind of vet some of your emails and stuff. So um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really amazing tool. But, you know, I was telling you earlier about how I've been using it for my homeschooling. Yeah. So what I did is I realized uh, my, uh, my middle son, he is not like, he doesn't like math in the traditional sense, right? And he loves Among Us. So I started creating math problems with Among Us. Oh, come on. Yep. And so, so he's got like, you know, uh, I don't know, do you play Among Us? Or have you, do you I've Among played Us? about this much, whereas my son's played about that much. Yeah, but there's like, you know, you're supposed to finish, um, you're supposed to basically uh, finish tasks, right? Yeah. Before the imposter gets you. So I did, they've got like rooms you're navigating through and you're, you're outer space. Are you aliens or are you humans? I never quite picked up on that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you do have a bone that sticks out of your, <laughs> out of you when you die. But um, it was amazing. Like we created, I asked ChatGPT to create stuff and it's creating really exciting content oh, to my kids. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an amazing thing uh, on that side. But it, it's useful in a lot of stuff. But you do need to remember that um, it doesn't know everything. Like, if there's not much information on the internet about something, yeah. it's more likely to make up information or, as people say, like, hallucinate. That's kind of interesting. So that's like me after a few beers telling you a couple stories or something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's so, kind of frightening. Uh, I want to. I want to ask you. I, I think you went to the, a couple of the the same classes that I went to at uh, the IO experience. They were talking in one of them about the different scale of like LLMs that were available, and I think Google is doing it based on uh, like animal types. So there's like bison, which is like big and heavy and has a lot of answers, and then there was. Um, I'm going to say rabbit because I don't remember, but or mouse, something like that, which is very small. So when we were talking about like these, I don't even think this was in the context of BART at that point, but it was just talking about the language models that are available. Um, what I find fascinating about this, when you ask it, like, tell me a cupcake recipe, the mouse one will be like, here's the five steps and here's the ingredients, like just flat out. And that's it. The bison one, though, will break down like, Hey, welcome. Good to see you, Alex. Let's make a cupcake together. Why don't you preheat your oven to 425? And it wraps like all of this intelligent language and like measurements and like, here's a YouTube video you might want to see. And it starts to pull like all of this data in. What do you, what do you feel in like the next, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it down to like a year. Do you think that we will try to start to utilize these smaller ones like on devices as solutions as we go forward? Or do you think we'll end up using more API-based ones where you can get those like richer answers that we're starting to get out of Google? Uh, I think it's going to be a mixture of both. Okay. Um, the thing is not everyone can kind of host their own little, little it's, we call it little, but it's still big, you know, for, um, you know, but like. The irony is some of these are like, you know, if you look at a large, like a large photo, like 
a 50 meg photo, like really like raw photo. Some of these are that small, like the mouse version of that, they can fit in like a hundred megabytes. It's like, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing is like the smaller it is. So if, if there's an application where you can create a model that has all the information for that application, then you can do smaller sets. Like um, I would think like, uh, you know, say you were studying, you know, the brain, right? all the information on the brain, you can probably fit in a small set. But yep. if you were studying the body and, and in depth, that means like all that information in the brain, but at that same depth for everything, I think you need a bigger model. Um, the interesting thing uh, about the models is the bigger the model, the more expensive it is, yeah. right? That's why GPT-4 costs so much more. I've got it, is it 16 times more expensive or something? I don't know. Query than GPT-3.5, but it, it's like, you know, uh, multiples and uh, Bard's model that you're using is actually cheaper than GP 3.5. So that's why the results sometimes aren't as crisp for everything, but it comes down to the thing of like, you know, it's a cost, you know, it's a trade off, right? You know, you could have the world's greatest model, but if it costs you a couple bucks to ask a question, you yeah. know, it, it, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. And the thing to me is, I, I feel as though. I'm often asking a similar question um, in a different, well, maybe in the same context, but slightly different question. That's probably more likely. Like, tell me about TypeScript that does X or tell me about TypeScript that does Y. And it's like in the same realm of things. There's these, I forget the name of it now, but Google calls them like signatures or something like that, mm -hmm. where they're almost the same thread of thought. And it sounds like those are becoming... Uh, cheaper, more scalable, because at the machine level, they already have like a cached version of that answer. Have you have you kind of dove into this realm of, of things yet? No, but you know, it, it, as you started talking about TypeScript, I feel like document. if you could ask a question and it would give you the results from the documentation, that would be pretty amazing. It would be amazing. I, I think we're getting closer and closer to that too, like real time like explanation of these things, which is wild to me. Yeah. Um, so I just found, I just found a post, which I don't know, like sometimes I get a little nervous on what alpha thing I'm on that I can't talk about, but I think this is out in public. Um, so bison apparently, which is a lot of what we talk about on Google, it isn't Google's biggest LLM. Unicorn is its largest module model which isn't out yet. So oh. it sounds like it will be very close to GPT-4 on reasoning and critical thinking. That's what this says. I, I think this is kind of scary and exciting all at the same time. At, at our conference, you might remember them talking about like safety and security on, on AI. Like that was like, AI is cool. And then their second thing was that. What do you think uh, going forward? Like how much are we going to have to worry about this? Like all of us that grew up with Terminator and stuff like that, like where are we at in that grand scheme of thing? I mean, I don't think we're at the point of Skynet just yet. Yeah. Um, but I think that the safety and security is, is pretty important. So I did a, a TEDx talk on data privacy. Okay. And uh, one of the challenges is 
I mean, you think about how much data that we, probably not you and I as much, but the average American is sharing every day, every credit card swipe, you know, every website we visit, you know, like, you know, everything we do is somewhat recorded, not so much centrally, but within like companies, like all of this. Um, and so people are really comfortable with it, right? You know, people are really comfortable giving their information because they want something in exchange for free. Uh, and that's like, you think about ChatGPT is using your information to create models. In exchange, it's giving you something for free, right? Um, the, the challenge is, is, you know, companies are already not allowing people to put stuff in there. Because like, what happens when you put proprietary code? What happens when you put like, you know, some people are like trying to, you know, they, they put data in there. You can put private, you, you know, it's not ChatGPT and all these AI tools are not like HIPAA compliant. They're not, yeah. you know, I mean, FERPA compliant. They're not like compliant in any sense because, you know, they do, I think they do try to filter out plus PII. Yeah. But the thing is, it's, you know, it's, it's tricky. It doesn't mean that it's 100% filtered out, right? So yeah. I, I think it's education I, too. I think I think a lot of the legislature right now is you know they got caught up with social and like all the issues that kind of came in play and they're like we're not repeating this like this is this is the next phase through this and it always gets back to uh, what's that old slogan um, uh, if if you're not paying for the product you are the product right and I think it gets back to that a lot of and I think there there are a lot of like nervous people out there, not nervous, like rightfully so. We just lived through this once um, that their data and like who they are and, and kind of their information about what's happening um, is going to be part of this larger model of, of cases. And I think it is important, like as a human race to have like a lot of data, a lot of information, but not necessarily specifically about Alex, right? Like that's yeah. kind of frightening in a way. So I am excited. It, it's kind of one of these things like we'll probably keep running up against like we've gone too far. We need to rein it in type of thing. And it's it's kind of exciting in a lot of ways. And it makes me nervous in other ways, too. So did, did you hear about uh, is, is it Sam Altman, the, the CEO of OpenAI? Is that his name? Of, of which company? Of OpenAI. Is it Sam Yes. I think he was talking about GPT-5 being, it's not going to be bigger than GPT-4. It's going to be more like focused. I haven't heard about GPT-5 at all. I, I'm going to be completely frank about that. Well, I, I, he didn't really call it GPT-5. But he said the next level of LLMs, you sure. know, at this point, you know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's kind of like getting uh, super expensive. But the interesting thing with AI is, uh, did you hear about like was it IBM and a couple other companies where they're not going to keep, it seems like they're eliminating, or, you know, they're not firing people, but they're saying that they're not going to hire new people as people retire in places like HR, where they um, think they can leverage AI to do things. Yeah, I think I just saw like Accenture said they'll be, they'll plan on like adding 3 billion over the next X amount of years towards AI. And it's kind of like that same course of action. Um, you know, I, it's tough for me. So I'm going to go on a, a crazy tangent here, but when I was in like, I had to write a MEEP like test back in a, like eighth grade or something like that. And this might be a, a Michigan or like Midwest thing. I, I don't even remember, but I talked about how 
owning my own robot would be very important in the future because people won't be working. And this all goes back. My dad worked at GM on the line for years. So I would own the robot and I would program and I would take care of it. I think we're, we're starting to kind of get into this phase of like people are eventually going to be getting like phased out of certain areas. So you're going to have to switch your emphasis. Like you and I in the next 10 years, like, are we really going to be actually programming anything on the front end? Like with, no code tools and AI and, and things like that? Probably not. I think we're probably going to start to get into the next phase of like, how do we train the model better? How do we do the prompt engineering better? Um, it, it's kind of this, it gets, for me, it gets a little more interesting, I think. Um, so like, I don't have to write the same form element with the same inputs over and over and over. Like it gets kind of like to the next phase. I think that is scary for a lot of people because You've been doing this thing, like some of tech, we always talk about tech, like advancing so quickly. Some of tech now is getting, you know, 20 years old, which is, it's, it's getting up there uh, in age. And I think they're not ready to like swallow that pill of, I got to learn this new thing. It's interesting. I, I think, um, and so I, I teach, um, uh, I teach for uh, a vocational college out in the UK. And um, so I do that early in the morning. So I'm up at like four in the morning. Um, I, I really like sharing information, right? Um, and one of the challenges I found is as a junior developer, I think the, you know, the, you, you know, how much you have to learn to become a junior developer is becoming like ridiculous. Like you need to know so much and the AI tools, like if you become dependent on that, you're not going to understand what's actually happening. Right? Yeah, that's tough. For sure. It, it almost is the equivalent of, and this is for my front end folks, like, do I learn React or do I learn JavaScript? And it's like, well, you have to learn JavaScript, right? Like, otherwise you don't know the rest of the ecosystem. And I think if you just use AI in the future and you're not learning like how to correctly ask the questions to AI, like why it's doing the things it's doing, it's probably going to be a problem in the future. So you're going to have to understand like, what is a large language model? What are LLMs? Like that side of it. And this is me talking as a complete novice because I don't know about AI still. Um, but like, how do I use TensorFlow? Why is it reacting the way it is? Why would I want a lighter one on mobile and like this bison or unicorn thing, you know, on desktop and getting better answers and things like that. And I think it's going to be, obviously it's going to be in courses coming up and, and everything else, like how to become, you know, at least like how do I do machine learning and, and AI in the future and how that's going to impact so much of our lives. It's just incredible. I think something when, when you're saying it, it, it made me think is like, so like we call it AI, but it's not truly AI. It's yeah. mostly like, um, large language models. And, but like, you know, there's so many tools like, um, you know, GitHub Copilot, right? So I found myself using it more and more, but it's less that I'm, you know, ever since ChatGPT came out and prompt engineering came out, I started doing things where like, I do a lot of data science. So I use TensorFlow, use, I do machine learning. And I found it that like, I'm there and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I forgot what, you know, I need to do this thing. And I'll just put a comment in and say, do this thing. Yeah. And then the next line, Copilot's like got the thing for me. <laughs> And it's like, so I'm, I'm doing less documentation reading and more using Copilot to get the right syntax. Sure. 
Have you uh, have you used AWS Code Whisper? Whisper? No, no, I have not. Um, that's code well, I decided to go down that route because it's free right now, and it's for me. It seems like it's giving pretty similar results to what Copilot was. Um, I think I only paid for Copilot like for a month. I used the beta, I paid for it for a month, and then I went down this AWS side. And I have to be honest, like this is forty-year-old Alex Graybeard. You can see it all. Um, as it's like completing things, I'm like, no, stop it. And like, it's getting things wrong and it frustrates me and it breaks me out of like my flow. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, and I hope like in the future that I can just make a comment and would write it exactly how I want it to. But right now I'm, I'm often feeling like it's slowing me down. And that's purely on the coding side. When I talk about like writing a blog or writing an outline or things like that, like all day long, like I, I write a prompt for, you know, I'm about to write this blog on 2023 um, databases, serverless databases. I'm like, can you give me an outline? It throws an outline. I'm like, perfect. That's that's exactly what I need, except I got to add to it. And then I add paragraph by paragraph using it, using my own language, like things like that. And I hope that the coding side like catches up. But part of me also is going well, maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> and, and that's the part that really scares me is like, I know exactly what I want, but maybe that's just because of the way I learned it. Maybe it, I should be doing it this other way that everyone else accepts. So it's kind of interesting when we start to get into like the nuance of what AI becomes. And, and my only fear in that, and probably coding isn't, isn't a specific fear, but in content creation is that we all become the same because we're, we're just using like one or two of these models that are identical. And it, it frightens me, but like at the same time, I see like things um, like Dolly and, and stuff like that, that can create like just amazing art that like is unique to its own. That is not like just ripped out of a billion GitHub repos and put back together. So I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm like torn. And I, I feel like it's probably the old man in me that's torn too. Well, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, um, if you look at like resumes now, people use res AI to write their resume, then yeah. companies use AI to summarize the resume. And it's basically AI talking to AI. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, but now it's like the challenge is, is like, uh, it's things have gotten faster, but you still have to, with, you know, these LLMs, you still have to give them the right prompts, right? If you didn't know anything about coding or writing blogs, you 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 can't do anything, right? You can't just be like, "Hey, go do this." Um, actually, you probably can to some extent. Could be like, "Hey, give me an idea of how to like write blogs for an anime or something like that," you know? Right. Um, but it is the thing is at some point if we are regurgitating information, there's not going to be new information, and everything is going to become similar. Yeah, I think that's the only part of me that the the creativity and again, I'm I'm not against this by any means because I think what it's going to allow for is a, a new a new generation of people that think differently. They think like prompt engineers um, and they start to to realize that like basic things that used to take people like a week, a month, whatever, they can just have the automation do that part. But the creative thinking, I, I think you still need individuals to be thinking outside of the box and like really start to go, 
you know, if AI did this for me and I plugged that into this other system and workflow it together, like now all of a sudden you have something very unique um, that that's coming together and you can do it with a lot less people. And it's not that I don't want people in the mix because I think we are what create products at the end of the day. We are why we're creating products at the end of the day. So it's, it's very important too. Yeah, there's definitely the, the job side where I think it's going to reduce a lot of things. Um, like, you know, if you, but, it's, it, but I don't think it's necessarily AI. It's like if you automate something or make something easier. Um, on the flip side, I think this is going to create a lot more startups because more people can solve problems that they couldn't solve before. Um, so I have this tool called What the Python, which is a debugger tool, right? Okay. Um, so instead of doing Python and then running the file, you do WT Python. You have to install the package. Um, and so it would go Stack Overflow and Google, right, and give you results if it failed. So it took the, the failure message, passed it in, got the right stuff. And the next thing we're going to do is implement, you know, both Palm as well as um, OpenAI's API key and then just have it like tell you the answer, you know, which is, it's amazing, you know, how much you can do with uh, that kind of information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanna run through, if you're up for it, uh, I have a, a chat GPT prompt cheat sheet. Okay. If you're, if you're game. I'm good. Okay, cool. Um, so this is this is straight from uh, a TikTok post. I'm not going to credit the person because I found it in a weird, weird way. And I just feel like they probably pulled it off something. One of those deals, if you know what I mean. I mean, they probably, everything's now pulled from something. <laughs> you know, okay, hang on. Let me flip back before we start this. I just had this conversation. Um, we're about to partner with uh, Contendo, which is an amazing, uh, like, DevRel-based system where they're going to start to take these talks and like summarize them for us using AI. Um, and one of the questions we had in our review session was, are you going to say that this was generated by AI? And I was like, oh, I never really thought of it. Like, do I need to? Like, should I? And they're like, we're just asking the question at this point. We don't know either. Like, obviously you're going to say you're sponsored by us and like they're you're creating stuff from us. But like, for this specific post, when you use exactly what we're giving you, are you going to put generated by AI? And I'm like, my immediate thought was no, I, I don't think I am. But like, the more I thought about it, which has been like a week now that I've been thinking about this is like, yeah, I, I think I would because my other posts that are not AI created, they have a lot more of Alex in them. Like there's a lot more jokes about the 90s and like, you know, silly basketball quotes, because that's who I am. And I think if people start to like, see like, why is this so dry? This is obviously AI. Maybe I should just tell them like, yes, I can't do all this work on top of a normal job. I should put this out there as AI. What do you think? What's the right way about that? I mean, it's a, it's a tricky one. I think it really depends on, I mean, there's people who enjoy it maybe because it's AI. There's people who may not because it's AI. Um, but I think people tune in, you know, for your bubbly personality, not so much, you know, or my lack of either way. <laughs> no, they want to know the content, but in some ways, like, you know, how I joined LinkedIn audios, right? LinkedIn yeah. lives, you know, Twitter spaces. And, you know, you can get that information elsewhere, but it's an opportunity to hear someone talk about it, you know, add that opinion 
I mean, why do you think people use Reddit or yeah. or don't these days? Oops. Uh, <laughs> but they used it for opinions. Like we yeah. we've gone from okay, you know, we don't want like numbers. We want someone's opinion. Someone's like, oh, reviews. Like, oh, how did they like that restaurant? What did they right. like about it? Versus, you know, you look at the stars, but you also read the reviews. And that's yeah, the next thing. People always want to listen to you and hear about the little things that happened in your life. But do you think stamping an actual, like, I can't revise this, like, we're going to spend 45 minutes to an hour on this episode, right? I can't spend another hour to four hours editing this episode, whereas I just throw it over the fence and it comes back and says, here's a blog post about what you guys talked about if you want to add that to the video. It's like, yes, I do. Do you think it's right to say generated by AI stamp? Is that okay? Yeah, you can say that. I mean, I think, I think it's probably right. People will still watch the full video. <laughs> um, so. I hope so. Please keep watching. <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to jump into some of these. Um, it's just a series that like got built out over time. I've bookmarked them um, on my on my feed. So this one says, "Explain like I'm a beginner." This is one of the prompts. Um, so the prompt is explain TypeScript again. Can't type today. Um, in simple terms, and then it says, "Like this is the way to prompt this is to say." Explain to me as if I'm a beginner. I, I don't know why you have to add that extra one, but that's the way it says to prompt this correctly. Now, uh, I think this kind of goes along with a course I've been trying to build out for years, a, a, a series of things called uh, HTML as a 10-year-old, CSS as a 10-year-old. Like, tell me like I'm a 10-year-old. Okay. That's pretty good. Lego pieces, JavaScript variables. So this is this is really interesting. That the part that I would say that it doesn't, and I'm just quickly reading here. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. Uh, I would love it to say like it's a, a like a super. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a super type over JavaScript. So everything is JavaScript still. Yeah, I mean, you can ask it to summarize it. That's true, that's true. You could ask it to do, uh, you could ask it for the main ta uh, takeaway points. Let's, so in the same thread, yep. can you just say, what are the main takeaways? Yep. Will it actually do that? Amazing. Enhances JavaScript. So it's uh, getting a little closer. I like it. That's good. You could even ask it. Yeah, you could just keep asking because it's got the context. Right. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to prompt number two. This is to learn and develop any new skill. Um, I want to learn slash get better at and this is where it says insert desired skill so this one is uh how about juggling i've always wanted to learn how to juggle and it says i am a complete beginner again this is like a typing test more than anything um 
Oh my gosh. And then it goes on to say, create a 30 day learning plan that will help a beginner like me. Holy smokes. So I would argue this is one of those things where like I need a YouTube video as well as the breakdown. Oh, I wonder if you could ask it for, uh, it probably doesn't give you links. Okay. Yep, there yeah. it is. And so I think, I, I, I think this is probably where Bard would maybe come into play and actually give you links. Yeah, because Bard's directly connected to the internet, isn't it? Exactly, yep. Which is, I think, probably a competitive difference that goes a long ways, but we'll see. I would show you the Bard response, but again, I think I'm on an alpha thing and I don't, I, I want to make sure I don't like get into too much trouble. <laughs> Um, what else we have? I have like nine of these. I'm kind of curious. I'll throw them all at you. We'll do one more. So, uh, make, uh, let's make easier for chat GP to help you. That's one enhance your problem solving skills all in one prompt for you. Brainstorm unique content ideas, 80, 20 principle to learn faster than ever via chat GPT. Uh, consult an expert prompt or create a crash course prompt. What do you think? I would do, I've got an idea, consult an expert on how to okay. turn $100 into a million dollars. This is wild. Maybe I should put the symbol. It's like dollars and dollars. I don't know. And then say one, let's do mixed case. Um, let's see what this says. I'll give you a sample. I want you to Chris. Yeah, yeah, about the same. Let's see if it can do that. What I always find interesting is, is it going to switch context now and still think I'm talking about TypeScript? Well. It is, it is challenging. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Uh, it's recommended to consult with a professional financial financial advisor or wealth manager. So you don't think I should just bet on like Bitcoin or anything? That's that's interesting. Invest a hundred dollars into it. This feels it. like a very safe response, don't you think? Yeah, th there's a lot of stuff that's filtered. Um, so it used to be that you could um, you could have it like write stories. Like you could be like, oh, write a story about Elon Musk, but instead of Elon, put Alex as the name. And now it doesn't do things like that. Yeah, I did. Uh, would you take a million dollars or a penny doubled every day for 30 days? It's breaking down the daily doubling of one penny, which ends up being $5.3 million. As you can see, by choosing the penny double for 30 days, the total amount surpasses 1 million. So they pick the double. I mean... It's got that down, so that's good. It's it, it's a, also it's a language model, so it doesn't do math as well. Right. It did that math pretty good, though. I'm impressed. Yeah, simple things it can, simple. It can do. Yeah. Simple things. Let's but, not throw linear algebra at it or anything. 
I, you might be able to throw some mini algebra. Well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll get to explain it to you. Like you're a, a five year old. What is it? Oh, 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 either my keyboard died or it's given up on me. Either way, it's probably time to switch over to perfect picks. All right. I guess you kind of uh, threw this one at me, and I was like, what year are we talking about? So your first pick is Alien. Alien. But not because, like, explain it the same way you explained it to me. Like, how? what sent you down this road? So I, I watched uh, Alien when I was a kid, and I remember having nightmares about it. And uh, when it was dark, I would think I saw aliens in, in the dark. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I decided I was going to rewatch it. So you know, there's like, there's actually like six alien movies out now. Um, so I went and I was like, okay, well, what's the right order, right? Is this like, are the second vet, you know, because there's the original aliens, Alien 1, I mean, Alien, Aliens, Alien 3. And then there's Alien Resurrection, and then there's the next batch, which is Prometheus and Alien uh, Covenant. And I was like, okay, well, so I found out that actually the second, two, the last two are actually prequels. So I watched all six of them oh, in about two or three days. Um, I had a lot more work to do. Than did you Did you sleep? Did you have nightmares? What happened? No, no. But it was it was really interesting watching the idea. And like, it's kind of that idea. So it's in, you know, we were talking about robots, right? Mm-hmm. And you watch the, the, the whole, the explanations that they gave for why the older alien robots were kind of uh, more robotic than the ones in Prometheus and Alien Covenant. And it comes down to that apparently they look too human. So the humans decided that they wanted it to look more robotic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was pretty good. Um, I was amazed by like, the how well movies were made with such little yeah it it blows my mind like when i see star wars and stuff back in these times like it's shocking to me i okay so i've seen all of them but covenant my favorite was prometheus um i'm kind of curious if i need to watch covenant now i think covenant continues from prometheus so probably i should watch it and it sort of sets the 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 idea of why, um, yeah, it, it kind of gives you the insight that connects it to Alien. Okay. The, the whole eggs that you know, open up. And... Oh, no, I'm not going to sleep. Let's not talk about it. I don't <laughs> watch horror movies, but stuff like this, like It and like Aliens, like I watch one time because I'm like, it's historic. Like you kind of have to watch this stuff. Um, okay, my pick is Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I tell you what, like, at times I, I sit there and I go, and I've done this in a couple newer movies because it's just mind-blowing, the, the CG that's in these. I'll be like, oh, that looks so fake. And then I realize, like, 100% of the whole thing is fake, Alex. Why are you questioning, like, you can't really do that in real life. Like, I'm judging the cartoon Spider-Man as if he's like real and all of this is occurring. It it was just mental. Right. Uh, But the way that they like flip from what like I grew up with was, you know, true comic book style and like 
in all of these universes and the creativity of like all the different spider people, it blew my mind. And it, it was amazing. Uh, I'm a 14 year old, uh, took him to it. He loved the thing. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm just saying like, I can't wait for the next one. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. So, uh, pretty awesome. I would highly, highly recommend it. It's only PG. Uh, so kid friendly for sure. Um, I loved I loved the first one. I loved this one. So I hope that the next one is just as just as awesome. I keep hearing that like once some of these models are made, they can make these a little quicker. So I hope that it comes out a little sooner this time. Well, I, I think we did a, a decent quality of uh, prompt engineering, but I think I'm going to have to have you back because I think in six months from now, we're going to know so much more and like, the prompt engineering and chat GPT and yeah. Bard and like X, Y, and Z are going to just like surpass themselves. It's, it's kind of an amazing area. So please come back on and uh, hang out with me. Sound good. Definitely. Awesome. Be happy to be back. I can't wait to see you in person. It sounds like I might have to travel to uh, go see you though. I mean, you know, you might be able to come down to the Ohio Dev Fest and talk. I, I'm yeah. talking like Asia wise though. I might have to, uh, oh, yeah jump over i hope yeah. you have extra room for me somewhere oh yeah yeah just come over and visit all right well it sounds good thanks so much and uh we'll see you next time yeah thank you